everyone. Welcome to the Worship Artistry Podcast. My name is Jason Houtsma, and with me, Mr. Daniel Ornelas. What is up, Daniel? Hey, Jason. How's it going, man? It's going well, man. How how are you? I feel like these <sighs> these last, you know, the last podcast, I barely had a voice, and I was like, <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to do all the talking, and then I ended up still talking the whole time. So I'm gonna shut up, Daniel. What? What's going on in your life? Man, a lot of stuff's happening. I've um. My wife's going to be opening a retail space for her artwork downstairs in my, in my studio space, which in, in itself sounds really simple, but to actually start getting uh, all the stuff together to launch a retail space is not as straightforward as you would think. <laughs> There's all sorts of stuff that's attached to that. So I'm, I'm running around doing all that kind of stuff. And then I've, I've, um, my studio is upstairs. And so I've today, especially, I, I overbooked my studio space for two different co-writes at the same time so I had, I had like these people arrive at the same time of the day both to write songs and i was like uh you can write downstairs over here in this little area and then you can write upstairs in my room and then i ended up in the car working in my car <laughs> <laughs> which is gonna it's gonna be so weird for for the next video that comes out and you're like sitting in your car <laughs> trying to teach a bass part it's gonna be weird yeah exactly i just <laughs> use the i just use my dash cam and i sat in the back like an Uber. I, I love that. I love that you were like they, somewhere in your brain. You thought, "Oh, yeah, yeah, are we opening a retail space? Is not as straightforward as you think it would be." And I listen to you go, oh, why, "Why would you ever think that would be straightforward?" <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah I, I just thought, put a sign up. I, yeah, I thought my wife would do most of it, but then I realized that I'm going to have to do most of it. <laughs> well, I hope it works out, man. Her art is is incredible. Like awesome, man. I remember yeah, the first time awesome. I went to your house, and I was just looking around him. Like, this art is all amazing. Like, yeah, my wife does it. That's crazy. Yeah, she's just really kicking it. She's doing as much as she can, and she's she's going to be able to paint out of this space. And I think it's going to open up some doors for her, which is really cool. Very cool. Does she have a uh, Does she have a website? She does. It's uh, actually just Instagram. So she uses Instagram. She does samornelis.com as her website. But um, Instagram, I think, is samorne, S-A-M-O-R-N-E, uh, samorne art, I think it is. Is that is that her is that her maiden name or did, was she like Ornella sounds too lame? I'm, no, I'm she, Sam Orne. I think it's just so that it sounded cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I know. I totally know. I always thought I could never possibly actually be a solo artist making music. I'd have to come up yeah. with something better than Jason Houtsma. No, that's a great name. That sounds very very uh, Orneish. Sounds <laughs> <laughs> very very Dutch. No, I like it. Yeah, so her, her handle is actually Sam Ornay Art. But do you know that um, a lot of people change their names? Like Chris Tomlin's is Chris Tomlinicious. That's his actual <laughs> name. <laughs> oh, man. I'm oh, just kidding. I always thought his, I actually, I had heard his 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 real name is Howard. Yeah. Howard, Howard. Tomlin. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, and what about Michael W. Smith, uh, Smith & Wesson? That's his full name. <laughs> I'm just talking such rot. Uh, such nonsense. All right. Anyway. Well, well, let's get to uh, some non-nonsense. Today we yeah. have uh, none other than Shelby Rollins, uh, who is of Worship Artistry Podcast fame, who is, she hasn't come out a whole lot because she's just pounding out singing lessons for Worship Artistry. So... Uh, her, That's awesome. She's been building up the library, 
um, where once we get this this mobile launch completely done, vocal lessons will be out next. And uh, and so she's been working really hard to get that done. But she took some time to jump on the podcast, talk about kind of building harmonies. I forget. I remember sitting down with her and being like, let's talk about this. And then we ended up in this whole other direction. And it was just fantastic. So I just I just let her run with it. I'm like, yeah, just, you keep going. You're better at this than I am. Go. And she she is so awesome, and she really she's such a good singer too. I can't wait for the stuff to come out. I'm so excited. Oh, I know. I, it's amazing. Like when we first sat down to do this, it's like okay, so you know, are we going to need to use like some auto tune or how how we make this sound good? And she started singing. It was like, yeah, that sounds perfect, actually. So I guess we don't <laughs> need to do anything. No, she's so, super good. She's super good. Yeah, she's fully undoctored, just all right there. So anyway, perfect. Uh, Get to know her a little bit more and also learn about singing. I, th- I think we talked about harmonies. Anyway, I'm looking forward to listening to it. Let's go. Me too. Hey, Shelby. <laughs> hey, Jason. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to launching all these vocal lessons you've been shooting. How has that, how's that, up, how's that been going? been going good i did i think three more last friday you are a monster <clears throat> one day not to brag <laughs> i did five i did five in one day i think that's right maybe that's, i did four you know what and then i thought i don't need to do that again that was awful oh man <laughs> it's so hard and you know it's funny the thing that i don't think people realize it's one thing to learn a song it's another thing to tear it apart arrange it figure out everything that you need to do because you're not only just doing what's on the record like you are doing that but then you're also doing you're actually creating part a lot of times there's only like one vocalist right so or one or yeah, two vocalists and then you always two. create that third part generally mm-hmm. um how how do you approach that man the uh, good part about that or the easy part about that for me is i kind of grew up doing that type of stuff in church. So I grew up in like a Presbyterian church and I grew up singing hymns and learning harmonies all the time because of that. So it was just sort of normal to sing parts a lot and singing in like a youth choir. And I love, my ear was naturally inclined to go towards that. So I, I used to love finding the harmonies and preferred singing it over the melody. I drive my husband crazy in the car because I just, I'm constantly singing the harmony parts. And, um, He's like, can you just sing the melody? I'm like, no, actually I can't. Uh, <laughs> so it, it was kind of always a fun game to me to make them up. And I just got used to hearing them. And then I ended up playing that role in worship teams in different churches. I was a part of different cities I lived in where I um, would arrange parts and I would um, teach them to our team. And then <clears throat> I didn't do it for a while and I was just just teaching vocal voice lessons for the last 10 years. So it was kind of coming, returning back to my roots to, to do a lot of this stuff. So, I mean, I, I enjoy listening for them and experimenting and finding what, what's right patterns, things that do and don't sit right in a chord and things of that nature. So it's fun to kind of put a part somewhere where it didn't exist before. And it did help that I've been a part of a lot of culturally different churches and worship teams. So, you know, anything from really not liturgical, but super traditional to really gospel type of stuff. And then more mainstream, anything in between. So do you find, are are there, are there kind of, um, like basic rules that apply all the way across 
all the like all the different genres or do, do you find that there's certain like yes this is always true this is always true or is it just everything has variation and you're just it's just an art no matter what i would say more of the latter but the variation comes mostly from different um genres so more pop style worship songs you tend to find more like two harmony parts instead of three and or well two parts total so a melody and a harmony versus three parts three parts are going to be typically more either very traditional hymn structure type of thing or more gospel type of stuff and so adding a third part like there was one song i did i don't remember which song it was but adding the third part I could, I could find it, I could hear it, but I didn't like it. And I aesthetically didn't think it sounded good and supported the melody well to add a third part. Mm -hmm. So I didn't do it. Um, most things I gave a third part to almost everything just because people like to have options. And a lot of times people will change the style of a song to be more gospel than pop or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so it gives people options. My whole objective in these tutorials so far is to give people good rules and general structures to follow, um, cluing them in on the why behind some of that stuff, but also uh, just give people options depending on their context. And your context just makes such a difference in the way you approach vocal arrangements. Um, sometimes you've got a choir to back you and you can do three part harmonies all day long. And sometimes you have like nine frontline singers on microphones and sometimes there's one singer in a BGV. So it just really varies. You want to be able to give people um, a baseline of something that they can do, which is why the first typically this is getting a little technical, but the first part above or below your melody is going to be the one that you would normally use if you only have one extra singer or one harmony option versus like the higher one, the one that's a further interval away from the melody. Most of the time I feel like the one that's closer to your melody, whether that's above or below, whether you change the octave, um, supports it better. It just sonically sounds better than having a bigger gap. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so excited for him to come out just because uh, I, I was actually doing a worship workshop a couple weeks ago, and we did the song You Are Love and Love Alone, and I got to do David's part in it. So I got to do the guy part, which is the harmony, which I never get to do. I'm always, yeah. the, I'm always the lead vocalist because unlike you, I'm the total opposite. If somebody says to me, oh, hey, can you throw some harmonies on this? I'm like, no, yeah. no idea. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's gonna. I can <laughs> monotone like one or two notes that won't be horrible. We could try yeah. that, you know. But going beyond that uh, is is so different. And so, you know, the the harmonies on that particular song are so important to the sound of the song. And so, being able to actually like recreate that mm -hmm. was just so satisfying. I was like, man, yeah. I would love to actually just learn how to do this. So I'm I'm, yeah. I'm super looking forward to it. People have asked me over the years, like, how do you learn how to find them? How do you learn how to hear the harmony part from scratch or have, without being told prior? Um, which is a hard question for me to answer sometimes because I, I grew up doing it and I don't remember not doing it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and it's, it's, you know, everybody has something like that in them that they don't, that's normal to them. So they don't really remember any 
system or strategy towards developing that. I definitely have plenty of those things, but that, that wasn't one of them for me. So I really had to think a lot about how to answer that question. And I've, one of the two main things I tell people now is the first one is there's no silver bullet here. And so this is kind of the unfun answer because it doesn't seem very exciting, but it's that you have to learn them over and over, which is one of the things the tutorials are going to be helpful for is getting people to practice learning harmonies over and over again, because the more you learn harmonies to multiple songs and memorize them, the more inclined your ear becomes to hearing them later in other songs and you just start to pick it up. Um, that doesn't mean you're right all the time, but it means that you'll probably find something that works. Uh, you know, it's just learning a ton of them. You just continue to learn lots of songs and the part that is being told to you and you intentionally put your ear towards that and do it a lot, you just start hearing them more. Um, it's just by association. But the other thing I tell people is to think about the way they listen to music. And most of the time we listen to music very passively and not actively, uh, even as musicians, because we think about it more aesthetically. But also if you think about whatever your instrument is, whether you're a guitar player, a vocalist, whether you're a drummer, you naturally tend to listen to the instrument that you play first in a song. Um, that's the thing that your ear goes to in an arrangement. So, and, and this even varies with vocalists. If they're on a writing side, if they're more of a melody writer versus a lyric writer, things like that, they'll listen more to the, a melody writer will listen more to the hook. A lyric writer listens more to the words of a song. And so the, but it all still applies. You tend to gravitate towards your thing, your strength when you listen to music for the first time. So I always tell people you need to practice listening to music and um, in a different way. So if you're the bass player, you need to listen to a song instead of listening to the bass line. Listen the whole time. Focus your attention on the lead guitar part or the pads of the keys. I mean, literally anything else and only listen to that instrument for an entire pass through the song and make observations, write it down. Um, and it just trains your ear to listen to something counter to what you instinctively draw yourself towards and gravitate towards it's well, just a great way to start listening for harmonies because then you start doing that with bgbs right if you're a lead vocalist you're going to start listening to only the bgb singers and then you'll be like oh they only showed up in the chorus i'm surprised or there was no harmony on that verse or actually there was a harmony on the second verse but not on the first things like that that you mm -hmm. just don't typically notice otherwise yeah there's a uh, i noticed doing that one uh doing love and love alone just how initially, I mean, I couldn't even hear it. Like I was like, their harmonies are so tight. How do I even differentiate? And yeah. I just kept working on it and kept, I figured I pulled out my guitar and figured out, no, he's hitting this note. Like that helped me kind of find it. But then once I got it, it became, that's the only part that I could hear. Uh -huh. And I was so amazed at how, of how that transitioned. Like there was like a little flip yeah. that happened in my brain that just all of a sudden went like, no, now this is your part. And uh -huh. it suddenly became more natural. I've been noticing the same thing. I've been, I've been learning drums from our website, which has been kind of Oh, fun. yeah. I've heard I just, you say this before. Yeah. But like I – it's amazing what will happen, how doing it, even beyond listening, how doing it is so important. You know, because yes. like, I can sit there and I can just listen through it and that's really helpful. I can find a beat. But sometimes just sitting down and just like, nope, I'm not going to change the beat through the whole song. I'm just doing this one thing with the metronome over and over and over and over again and then how it 
becomes natural, how it becomes something mm-hmm. that's like, oh, that thing used to be so hard for me. Now it's just automatic. But you don't get yeah. that if you don't do it. Like no, you, you don't. You have to do it and you have to do it a lot. And if you don't do that, yeah, you're going to be frustrated. Yeah. And people also, one of the other questions I get asked a lot is like, I get so nervous. How do I get over my stage fright? And they're usually looking for some kind of a magical answer. And my answer is always the same. You just do it a lot. You have to do it a bunch of times until you start getting more familiar with the environment of the stage. It's unfamiliar and therefore uncomfortable until it becomes familiar. And that only comes through repetition and time and building a history in that space. There's just no other shortcut. There's really no other way unless somebody just isn't naturally nervous in those contexts. But if you are, that's the only way to get there. And it's the same. It's the idea of, you know, what you're talking about just doing it is the habitual nature of it. But it's the muscle memory because physically extending your arms with the drumsticks and hitting the drums, you're actually making these mechanical motions that are carving out neuro pathways in your brain that then remind you how to do it later. And then you look for those ways. Your brain is always looking for the easiest way out or the easiest, the path of least resistance. And the only way to do that is to actually carve the trail because otherwise it's always going to be awkward and clunky. Do you know Mm, what I mean? So the more you sing a part, the more you're going to want to sing a part, the easier it becomes because you have burrowed that trail. It's like a dirt road that's got the two tire paths running on it. Um, that's got the divots in the road. You're, you're literally doing that in your mind and your brain. It's, it's scientific, which mm-hmm. is cool. <laughs> right. And well, and the thing is like with vocally, like you're, you've talked about how your vocal, like your vocal cords are a muscle, right? You just have to train yeah. that just like you train anything Absolutely. else. So if you're mm-hmm. used to kind of sitting there, that's, you know, in those different sections that'll get there and, you know, you can kind of, kind of build that muscle to be what it needs to be. Yeah, for sure. It's so muscle memory um, when it comes to the voice and the you're retraining your subconscious to a large degree because most of the things we do, we do on autopilot. They're very subconscious to us. Uh, just the way you don't think about talking, it just happens. You're not sitting there micromanaging every word that comes out of your mouth. You don't think about breathing. You don't tell your heart to beat. It just does it, which is good because otherwise we'd all be dead. But, you know. You, the, the vocal side of this is there's so many habits that we have ingrained in our subconscious, which is infinitely more powerful than our conscious brain. And so to undo that and to like retrain your subconscious, which is how you train your voice, you have to be intentional in the conscious part of your brain to over and over set your intention. I mean, it's, it's redundant and it is tedious, but doing it over and over and over again, that repetition thing is how you slowly begin to move conscious choices into your subconscious. So then you don't have to think about it as much. It, it becomes autopilot as your subconscious, you know, that's the strength of it. Well, and you can actually, <laughs> you can move. I always try and actually move things into my subconscious when I'm learning things like even with guitar, yeah. you know, I right. find I'll have students sometimes that I'm sitting down with and they're starting to get it. And then, and then they're, they kind of hit a wall and then mm-hmm. I intentionally distract them. I'm just like, Oh, so <laughs> how, how was school this week? And let's give your fingers a rest. Oh, let's talk for a minute or two. And then we go back to it and boom, they've, they've got it. Cause it's like yeah. their subconscious just kept working it out. You know, uh-huh. I find the same yeah. thing with the drums. I find the same thing with songs. You know, some people can just sit down and pound out a whole song. And sometimes I can do that, but a lot of times, and I've been doing it more and more is I'll just start working on it till I'm not in, till I've kind of lost a little bit of the inspiration. And then I just put it down and I come back and the next day I'm like, Oh, here's what needs to happen on verse two. 
And then you kind yeah. of make that work. It's just always trying to allow that kind of subconscious part of your, of your memory to be able to take over. Yeah. So, so let me, so let me ask you this. So what, th- th- speaking of that, uh, you know, there's sometimes where there's, there's songs where it's just a real clear part, right? Here's the melody. Here's harmony one, here's harmony mm-hmm. two, and they all follow along. But then there's kind of this other version of harmonizing. And I don't, you probably don't get into this, into the tour, tutorials very much, but like, where you take, say, someone like a Gillian Welch and a Dave Rawlings or Jillian, Gillian. I never know how to say her name. Anyway. I always thought it was Jillian, but I don't know. Now I'm unsure. Right, right. It's I've ruined it for everyone. Uh, I'll find Thanks. a video somewhere. It's, oh my gosh. <laughs> total side note. I was listening to this podcast recently and and the, they were, the guy was talking about Kurt Cobain. It was like this whole story about. Kurt Cobain. And he oh, well, kept, it's the 25th anniversary of his death. That's right, probably why. Right, which is why yeah. I was brought up. But he kept saying Cobain. It's like, so then <laughs> Kurt Cobain. And, and I was just like, how oh, are no. you doing this? How are you? This is this is your job. <laughs> you're not from the 90s, are you? Yeah, you're, you're, you're too you young. You're too you young. weren't a youth. <laughs> None of your friends wore Kurt Cobain t-shirts That's with his funny. face on it. Yep. <laughs> But uh, anyway, total side note. Put but anyway, the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Right. So rather than that, let's uh, Dave Rawlings, uh, Jillian or Gillian mm-hmm. Welsh, whatever we call whatever. it. Um, point being is that when they harmonize, they harmonize so tightly. But like, he, you know, she'll hold one note and he'll do three notes in the time as a harmony in the times that she's doing mm-hmm. the one. Is that a different way of thinking about harmonies or is that just kind of next level stuff that you go, okay, you've learned to do this. This is like step one. You can follow all these things. And now step two is starting to really, really starting to play with what you like the tools that you now have. Um, yes, that's not a yes or no question. I think it is. I think it's both, but more so the latter. I think it is more so an advanced thing. A lot of times in the tutorials, I do talk about um, patterns and harmonies that you see. And most of the time, the, the harmony patterns follow a parallel wave structure. So they just go up and down together. Um, they make them easy to learn and very predictable and they're great for beginners. There's a few songs there that I'll even make reference to, or I'll, I'll mention in the lesson. This is a great one for a new team or a team that's not used to singing together, or maybe you have people who are new to harmonies. This is a great one to start out with because it's simple. It follows patterns. It's predictable. And then you've got other songs that are more complicated that don't, that break that pattern, which is not a rule. It's just a pattern. But the, it's just that the pattern gets more intricate and complicated. And so it's, um, and you can do that on most any song, but typically the, the stru- structure, the writing style and arranging style of a lot of the real straightforward pop stuff like Tomlin um, is pretty simple and it's straightforward it's, and it's meant to be that way. It's supposed to be congregational and accessible for people to, to get into. So the stuff that gets a bit more complicated for a lot of musicians is really fun, um, but then you have to be mindful, which is not necessarily the question, but you have to be mindful of like, can the congregation handle this? Like right. all these people who are not professional musicians and professional singers, can they sing this? Um, so there's, a, I think there's a healthy place in between that people you can find that it doesn't make one thing better than another necessarily. I mean, there's just, 
it's just a difference of style. I think if you, I remember, Jason, do you remember the band? They were kind of a lesser known group, but in like the late nineties, maybe I remember hearing about this Christian band called Ridgely. No, not, not, not familiar. I don't even know if you can find him anymore because I lost my out my record and then I could, I couldn't find it anywhere. Like I couldn't rebuy this album. It was very, very sad, but it was this, I'm so curious if anybody out there listening remembers Ridgely. Um, it were these two guys. It was very acoustic and they're, they were so tight. They sounded like brothers, their voices, and maybe they were actually, I don't even know, but, um, their voice parts were their, their tonalities were so similar that it probably, you know, you were mentioning, they're so tight. It was hard to distinguish the sound. Ridgely was like that. And, um, sometimes you kind of feel like Shane and Shane have that vibe, but they also are unique enough to me that I can hear the difference. But Ridgely was not that way. They were even mixed on the record to a, to a degree where the harmony was almost just as loud as the melody. And that kind of was, I mean, that's a risky choice, first of all, and you don't (laughs) hear stuff like that anymore. This was, you know, in like 1998 or something. But um, at any rate, I loved it because it was such a glorification of harmony and it was fun to my ear to listen to and to sing along with. But like you, to your point, those can be harder to hear because they sound so together and tight. It's like, which one is which? How do I pick it, pick it out? And um, I, you want to almost contrast contrast whatever a band like them with somebody else another duo who's very very different and distinctive in their own stylizing and always the band that comes to my mind is Johnny Swim Um, number one because it's a male and a female voice and so they're very different and you can hear the gender differences in their vocals a lot of the time but also they have very different individual sounds so his voice is real clear and um, has a, a, an amazing mix and um, commercial quality that's cl- real clean and has a lovely cry to it. And her voice is, is huskier. It's more textured. Um, it's got a, a lower resonant quality to it. And it's what's crazy is they blend so well, but their voices are super different, super different. So those singers sometimes make it easier. If, if you find that certain harmonies, especially if you listen to, I don't know, New Breed, Israel and the New Breed, they've got, their stuff is well produced and their stuff is really tightly held together that sometimes it can be harder to hear all of the differences. But then, so if, if that's the case, get outside of the genre and go and listen to something that's very, that does harmonies, but they do it really different and there's a lot more contrast involved or counter melodies and stuff like that. You know, you can start with a duo where you'll hear one person singing and then the other person sings and they kind of sing something together, but maybe one is singing a desk camp part and the other is holding down the, the lyric melody. And, and that's another way that you can start to train your ear to listen to a different part. So how, yeah, you bring up blending, which I think is such an interesting thing. Cause that's another thing I've noticed when I do sometimes try to sing harmonies with somebody and I, I'm like, man, I just, even if I'm tight in terms of the actual starting and stopping points and everything, it still just feels like, why don't I, why am I not blending with, why is this not sounding super awesome together? Besides the fact mm-hmm. that I'm not a super awesome vocalist, but besides that, like there's things that you go like, well, why is this part not working? Like how much does, what, like what is blending and how much, how, how important is that to, to leading worship? 
man, I think it's super important. Um, usually if somebody's having that kind of question, I start asking first a few questions about their context. So for you, I would say, well, is this in a live first, it is in a live worship setting where you're using, um, monitors and speakers and amplification systems. Yes. So then I would say, okay, are you using in-ears or wedges? Wedges-ish. <laughs> I have a really, wedges-ish. I've talked, about, I've talked about it on the podcast, but we have a really, really different kind of setup. Like I basically am standing in, like I can hear, I'm facing, it's hard to explain. I'm facing the speakers that are the house speakers. Oh. It's a weird, so I basically, I've had the mixing board in front of me and I'm also mixing as I go. And playing guitar and leading worship and sometimes stomping on a tambourine. It's a lot going on. (laughs) That is a lot. That is a lot going on. That's a, that's an interesting challenge because you're not only mixing your ears, you're mixing for the congregation. Right. So, but it's, it's, it's helpful though, because I'm actually hearing what they're hearing. Right. So if I'm playing too loud, I'm like, oh, I'm playing too loud. I have to change my playing up because my hands are too busy to reach out and change the knobs. It's kind of like, okay, this is yeah. where we're at. We got to kind of work with it. So it's an yeah. interesting challenge. It's actually really fun. But yeah, from like the, from the vocal standpoint, it's like, okay, I'm like, usually I just back way off and, or I just don't do it. That's at the end of the day, that's what I just hmm. don't do. Unless it's like a song where I'm like, I know this harmony, I know how to fit. And then it seems, so it might even be the kind of thing where it's a confidence issue yeah. where it's just because I'm going, okay, I really know this part well, so I can get up on the mic and sing and it sounds good together. But yet I feel like I know this other harmony, but maybe that's just not the right harmony. I don't know what's going on. There's, there's a lot of moving parts to it, to be honest. And the reason I ask about, you know, what your setup is and your context is, so say you're in a, everybody's in in in-ears. Um, there's the only, you know, speakers, so to speak, are, um, guitar amps on stage. That's it. Everything else is in, in your monitors. Um, including singers. So if that's the case, I always tell singers that I think it's helpful to have one ear in one ear out. Um, and it has to do with feeling maybe, maybe more than anything. And also to have to do with hearing the room. Um, when your ears are fully plugged in a, with an in-ear monitor, you hear yourself very differently than when you're not. And Mm -hmm. it just is what it is. Even when you can hear yourself well, the, the acoustic of your own voice is different. I, a lot of musicians, like a guitar player, for instance, who also sings always struggles with this and fights me on it. They're like, no, I need both ears. And I'm like, okay, but I just want you to experiment with this. (laughs) Just try (laughs) because I'm not saying, I'm not discounting the need for two ears. If you're an instrumentalist, it's more that if you need to focus or take a a season to focus on the vocal side of it, then you have to start hearing yourself differently. So one of the first things I'll tell people after taking one ear out, whichever one you prefer, I'm a left ear in kind of girl, right ear out. I don't, I couldn't tell you why, but I am, um, is, uh, you need to adjust your own in-ear mix. So most of the time other things are too loud, including sometimes yourself. Um, and you need to turn up your other singers in your ears so that you can blend and, and hear them when, and then a way to practice this in a real, like strip down, way, which is, I think a great place to start because it's maybe the most raw and honest is when you're maybe in a vocal rehearsal and you're just singing, I've worked with teams where I have them all stand in a circle, face each other and put all the parts next to one another. So an alto standing next to an alto, and then you begin to change it to where they're all standing next to a different part. 
So no one, no single part is standing next to the same one. And they have to still sing their part, but blend with the person next to them. And the, the objective I'm telling them is, I want you to sing not to hear yourself and make sure you're right. Because if you don't know if you're singing the right part, then you're not ready to do this yet, <laughs> to be honest. And that might sound harsh, but it's true. Like you got to know the part really well so that when someone else sings theirs, it doesn't throw you off. And if you're, if you're not there yet, that's not to be you know, down on yourself. It's just to be like, okay, I got I need to work on that. And, you know, rewind 20 minutes ago, what we've been talking about this whole time. Those are ways that you can grow in the security of knowing that part and sticking on it when someone else is singing next to you, that's on a totally different part. But that happens often is somebody will start singing their part and that completely throws somebody else off. So you need to be able to hold your part down. That's why I'll start them next to each other. Like all the altos stand next to the altos so that you hear each other, but your goal is to not hear you amongst the five altos. Your goal is to hear your neighbor and to make your voice sound kind of like your neighbor's voice. And if your neighbor's doing the same thing with you, their goal is not to hear themselves, but to hear your voice. Um, and even just to simply notice it, acknowledge it and find value in it you're going to naturally blend better. You're going to take some of the edge off of yours or take some of the texture off of yours to sort of blend better. And it's not at all to um, take artistry out of the equation, but the reality is, is when you're singing with a group, your objective is different. It is not a solo act. It is a group thing and you're trying to be one voice. So you got to learn how to do both and, you know, blend well with others and then be an individual when it's time to be an individual, um, one with, without sacrificing either. Um, but then again, after I've had people line up together, I'm going to split them up and make them sing next to a different singer and, um, try to listen to that part and be intentional to hear someone else singing, but not sway you. It's a great, um, ear training exercise. And the more you train yourself to listen to the other singers, the better you're going to blend. Um, and you know, when you do start adding all of the moving parts of the equation, like amplification systems and microphones and in-ear monitors and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of times, um, you need to adjust the other instruments in your ears or, you know, turn something down. Most of the time people are like, can you, can I get more of me? Can I get more of me? my wedge. And that's usually not the problem. It's usually something else is too loud. And, and because if everything gets louder and louder in your wedges, everything starts to sound like mush. And it, then it just makes the whole stage so loud that everybody starts sounding bad. <laughs> so I usually go, okay, what's too loud? First of all, maybe I need to turn that down and that might fix it. I can, I'll be able to hear better if maybe the, the lead guitar is not as loud in my wedge or, you know, whatever it might be. Yeah. That's really interesting because Sound mix is so important. It's important to every instrument because, uh -huh. you know, I'll, there's been times when I'm sitting there playing and I'm like, I know my parts and I'm like, why am I playing so timidly? And then I realize, oh, I got to turn myself down in the monitor. Uh -huh. You know, like a lot of times people yeah. think, oh, when you're loud, that's when you like hear everything. But it's like, no, that almost makes you scared because you hear it going yeah. over the top. Right. That's so why kinda, I tell people to take an ear out. Yes. Yeah. Because they're not as loud. Uh-huh. Yeah. It usually makes people more bold. So they will sing out a little bit stronger, a little bit better if they're not quite so, I don't know. Yeah. Just like exactly what you're saying. It's not, you might want to pull back because you're so loud and you're, oh, this sounds weird or my voice sounds 
kind of bad, but what you hear in your ears is usually very different from what everybody else hears um, in the room, which also I think is why it's helpful to have an ear out. But um, I like to have the vibe of the room, the sense of the, the natural acoustics makes me feel more, this sounds kind of weird, but organic in the way mm -hmm. I'm approaching a phrase of a song versus being kind of like, oh my gosh, I can hear every nuance i can hear every flaw and then i just want to hold back and then i recruit muscle tension and then it's just all downhill you know <laughs> that's that's really interesting because when i was when i was doing the tuning room you know when i was trying to like figure out how to record it and everything you know because i was doing guitar and vocal and how do you do that at the same time and make it sound okay and then how do i also get a good performance out of it and whatever and one of the things i noticed was it's just like i just couldn't have headphones in I would try and get it all uh -huh. set up. And then finally I was like, no, just stop. Just stand here, sit here, mm -hmm. or sit here with the guitar, perform the song like you do in your room when you yep. are, you know, are doing that. Creating those headphones created this whole like feedback loop of listening to myself in a way that, you know, I think it's really important to listen to yourself, especially mm -hmm. when you're listening back to something. Right. Yeah. But sometimes getting in that space where it's like, oh my gosh, I'm paying so much attention to my own voice that it's actually making me less confident and I'm not yeah. willing to, you know, to, to give it everything. So. Right. Yeah. It's a lot, man. There's so much. I, Shelby, I cannot wait for your lessons to come out because uh -huh. there's so much, there's so much there. And I, 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 I know what a great job you're doing and I just can't Thanks. wait to like learn so much more about, uh, so much more from me. Every time I talk to you, it doesn't matter. We can, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. I'm always, I always take away all these little gems and it's those little things that then you can, oh, and stop. I know I'm serious. Then you can then <laughs> apply that. I can, then I get to go and then apply that on Sunday when I'm playing, even in just singing, you know, it's like the vocal warm ups that you gave me forever ago when we, I think it was like the first time we that did was a while ago. Yeah. yeah. The first time we had you on the podcast, I was like, forget it. Let's just do, let's do a vocal lesson. Teach me to sing. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I, I, I totally do those still. Like I get Good. up on Sunday morning and I'm setting everything up and I'm just singing by myself in the video or in the, in the building. So and it proud. sounds, it sounds awesome. And it, I feel the difference. It's amazing. So well, I glad. can't wait to just keep mining your, your knowledge and experience and, uh, and getting better. So thanks for taking the time to join us. Man, you're welcome. That's the goal. I want it to be a helpful support and add value. Man, I cannot wait for those tutorials to come out. She's such a good singer. And on top of that, she's an incredible vocal coach. I don't know if we, I'm sure you know that, but I don't know if all of our listeners know that, but she's a highly skilled vocal training coach. That's why she sings so in tune. Oh, she's, she's awesome. She's unbelievable. And I, it's funny, I was watching, you know, we're kind of working on different stuff. And so she shoots them and then Ryan edits them. And then, uh, and so I was kind of looking over, I'm just kind of perusing some of the lessons and I was just like, these are incredible. Like, you know, when somebody's just an expert at something, they just speak so easily and, and fluently about it because it's, it's so natural to them. Right. Like if you mm -hmm. ask me about guitar, I can talk to you about guitar forever. If you ask me about yeah. podcasting, I'm like, uh, 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 <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. I, I kind of, I don't know. Like this, you know, you know, like, yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. you know, yeah, like, whereas she just, <laughs> you know. Where it's cool to have uh, have somebody be such an expert at something. Yeah, I know that she knows this stuff for sure. It's really, really cool, man. Well, uh, so I feel like it's that time of of the, of the conversation for it to be member mail. Hit it. Wow, talk about expert. 
Jeez, I'm getting ahead of the game. Nailed it there. Well done, sir. Uh, today's member mail comes to us from Jessica. She says, hey, guys, I love the website and the tutorials. I notice you guys seem to be able to do everything so easily. I'm curious how often you practice now and how often did you practice when you first began? That's that's an, that's that's an a easy good, one. That's a good 12 question. 12 hours a day. <laughs> Still. Still, no, not really. <laughs> not even close. I remember, um, I mean, how about you, Jess? You answer first and then I'll answer. <laughs> you just have to think of a number to make up since you don't practice yeah. anymore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so so practice-wise, I I practiced, like I grew up, I played piano for six years and I did just did not enjoy it, really. Um, but when I, I came around to guitar, I was like, I really want to do this. And so I was obsessive about it. I was 15 years old, so I was young. I was younger which is actually much easier to learn at that point. So I was 15 and I would just, you know, I'd wake up in the morning, I'd get ready for school and then I'd play my guitar until school, was, it was time for school. Then I'd go to school and I'd think about it all day at school and then I'd come home and try to work out all the stuff I was thinking about in school. Then I'd like do homework, have dinner, then play guitar again. Like, so it was just kind of nonstop. Now that wasn't all just like trying to improve. A lot of that was just playing things that I liked or trying to write songs. I remember trying to write songs right in the beginning. Uh, they were horrible, but I tried. And um, and so there was that time where it was just so intensive. And then, and then eventually you get to a point where you're playing a lot. And so that ends up kind of becoming your practice. But the only problem with that is you, you end up falling into some groove sometimes. Sometimes it's great because you're just like, yeah, I have these things I do. I'm really good at doing these things. Um, but then you don't have anything pulling you out of that. And so, yeah. so you end up just kind of getting stuck in ruts. And so, so now, um, you know, honestly, I, uh, between, between writing songs, leading church, running worship artistry, doing all the tutorials, figuring out stuff like my, I feel like my ear is really developed because I spend a lot of time just listening to songs and trying to work out the parts and figuring out what to do. Um, so that side is like practice for me. Um, but I'm not spending, you know, I'm, I'm not usually running scales anymore or that kind of thing. I mean, sometimes I still do them to warm up and some songs that we get sometimes like, you know, if I'm teaching a Lincoln Brewster song or something, like I'm going to have to sit there and really work through those parts and practice them to get them, you know, as, as clean as I can get them because he's such a clean player and, you know, he'll fit, you know, 17 notes where I normally fit three. So, yeah, exactly. so those kind of things, which are good because they're really stretching <laughs> and they really help you kind of grow. Um, so I think it just kind of depends on where you are and you're playing. If I was never doing anything professionally, if I was just playing at church, like I would be picking up my guitar as much as possible just to, just to play it. And because like creating that comfort on the instrument would make me better at really everything that I was doing. Yeah. How about you, Dan? That's, that's true, man. Yeah. So I had the same thing. I really, I started playing in church and I was kind of just, I'd play enough to just be able to play in church. And then I guess I went home and I'd, try out cool little moves that I that I could think of that little slapping things or whatever I was thinking I'd want to learn to be able to show off a little bit more on my instrument and so as a young like teenager I was just trying to think of the things like skateboard tricks is almost how I thought of music so I would I would just practice the things that I thought people would want to hear and want to, and they were not really great uh, and then I went off to university to try and study jazz because I thought I wanted to do music full time and um, and then I failed at university. I did like one year of university and all. It was such a high level. It was North Texas State University jazz 
level courses that we're, that we're jumping into and 70% of the actual class actually flunked out 70% only 30% and the funny thing is all the 30% that are doing that are either music teachers or doing something else now and all the people that actually failed are still doing music full time because <laughs> <laughs> they still enjoyed it <laughs> yeah exactly anyway and then so I guess I learned a lot of scales I learned a lot of um, kind of technical stuff during that phase of my learning and then I just play so much that um, I feel like uh, having to learn people's songs like in, in, a, in a few weeks in two weeks I'll be out on the road with Paul Belosh and Brian Dirksen to go and do a Canada tour and whoa, I don't whoa, know any whoa. of them watch, watch your feet names are dropping what? everywhere you know Bono told me not to drop names but I, I, I can't <laughs> <laughs> no, so so I'll be got to learn all those songs. There's two different artists, so it's all, all Brian stuff and all Paul stuff. So I've got a bunch of songs that I'm going to have to learn. And in the process of having to learn those songs, I feel like I'm practicing, and it's definitely practicing the stuff that I play in front of people. Um, you know, when I was younger, I'd practice stuff that I didn't play in front of people. So all the stuff that I, you know, all the slapping and all the stuff that I thought was cool. I'd never get a chance really to play that because in church we never did that really, unless it was Ancient of Days or something like that. Uh, you know, <laughs> oh, good old so Ancient that, of Days. Yeah, so I used to, and they used to turn around and say, "Play the solo," and I'd have to go for it, you know, and play that whole Ancient of Days bass solo. So that was that was one thing. But but to be pl- practicing the music you actually are going to be playing in church, I think that's the key is to be practicing the stuff that you're actually going to stand up in front of people and play, and that sometimes is not that much fun. So. I think we've spoken about this before, maybe a long time ago, but um, Scotty, my guitarist I used to play with, actually had this practicing method where he'd practice some warm-up stuff and technical stuff to get his hands moving, which was like the least fun. Then he'd practice the stuff he's going to play in front of people, and he'd make the bulk of his practicing time be that. And then afterwards, like to reward himself, he'd, he'd let himself learn something that he's never really going to play in front of people, but maybe it's a, a song that he's always wanted to learn how to play or... Maybe it's like Michael Jackson, one of Michael Jackson's bass lines from one of his songs or something uh, that I'm not going to play in church, but it's something that inspires me to want to pick my bass up. So it's kind of something to reward yourself at the end of your practicing so that you know you're going to want to practice the next time because you know there's something to look forward to. So that was a pretty cool system, and I remember using that for quite a while. Yeah, that's a, that's a great approach. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, the, yeah, I think that's a big thing is like with practice, you have to keep it fun and inspiring. Like I, it's, it's, it's interesting. I've been, you know, I've been talking to you about how I've been learning drums from our website. And so it's amazing how enjoyable it is to just be learning something new and how you, you forget when you play guitar for 20 years, how hard it is to learn an instrument. And then you go into it and you start working, but it's like, you know what it feels like to get it. And so you kind of know what to aim for. And so the more that you can keep that enjoyable, but still be willing to do the work of just creating that muscle memory, creating that that stuff that feels really unnatural, turning that into something natural, um, it, 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 that's, what, that's what you're aiming for. You're trying to make it feel natural. That's good, man. That's good. <clears throat> and like, um, also thinking of, of uh, music as music, not just as your own instrument only. So like you said, playing drums is going to give you more of a musical sense about the whole of music. So when you play guitar, You'll be thinking differently because you think you're thinking about drums now and guitar and bass and you like Aaron Sterling is a drummer that plays that I've played with quite a bit and he he's he's with plays with John Mayer now and he his he's such a musical guy that you feel like whatever you put in his hands he's just gonna play something beautiful on that and that's because he he's thinking music he's not thinking drums as much which is even though he's on the drums at the time he's like 
he's thinking how does this contribute to the song as opposed to I'm going to play my instrument it's not as it's not as it's not it's actually a team sport and you're thinking of all the other players you know oh I, t- I, I totally even like writing songs I think about them differently when I'm because I practice drums now because I yeah. start thinking about okay well where's that well where if I was playing drums on this what would it be and then that mm-hmm. kind of changes it up you know so very cool very cool well, well there you go man well hey if you have uh, any questions for us we are running low so please send them to us you can hit us up support at worshipartistry.com you can also direct message us at facebook facebook.com slash worshipartistry and, uh, and we will be happy to take those questions and answer them. Um, if you don't have a question, but you just want to learn a bunch of songs, you can go do that at worshipartistry.com. You can go try out everything that we have over there, and you'll find that it's nothing like anything else. Um, you know, people are like, well, isn't there YouTube? And it's like, you, you've never been on our website, have you? <laughs> so uh, there's, it's so much better than that, and it's getting better and better and better all the time. So go check that out. You can check it out for free, no risk. You don't have to put a credit card in or anything. And if you don't want to do that, we still want to support the podcast, please hit us up. Give us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. It's a huge help to us. The more those things come in, the more like validity they give. And then that uh, those kind of venues are willing to share those things out. It's really helpful. So please take a moment and do that. We can really use it. Daniel, I'll see you next week. Looking forward to it, man. Have a good week. <laughs>